Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I am at Versacon, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota, a Minnesota-made business. Across from me is Chuck Zierhut, the vice president. How you doing, Chuck? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. And the lovely Melanie is sitting to my left. How are you doing, Melanie? I'm great. How are you, Jason? I am great also. <laughs> so uh, Versacon stands for... Let's see. Versatile contractor. Is that right, uh, Chuck? That's what the two words you put together there? Yep. No, it. Uh, you got the first part right. The last part, con, construction. Construction. Yep. Okay. Yep. Um, versatile construction. And you guys are a general contractor uh, in the commercial world. No, no residential work, really. And uh, you, you even do some federal work. Is that right? Yep, correct. We're a... Uh, full-service general contractor, um, do anything from a small little office remodel to a, a ground-up building for you. Cool. And uh, during the tour that you gave us, I guess one of the more notable items that I noticed on the tour was your Moon-Mars rover Over. machine. Yes. That was, <laughs> was the first thing I noticed too. Yeah. So we go back in the shop area and it's this track vehicle <laughs> that you would see uh, an astronaut riding around on the moon surface with. <laughs> what would you call that thing, Chuck? That is called an Argo. Argo. And uh, you are a outdoorsman and you use that vehicle on your property to get across marshlands. Is that correct? That That is correct. I'm an avid hunter and fisherman and uh, have some property just outside of Duluth and it allows me access to certain areas. Do you hunt uh, most things? I mean, deer, birds, yep. all of it? Yep. Deer, yeah. mainly deer and birds. Okay. All right. And you had an interesting story uh, as of recent. You said somebody <laughs> thought they would take it upon themselves to explore your land, cut down a few trees, put up some deer stands. And uh, then and when you confronted them, what did they ask you to do? Or uh, Yeah, they wanted to, to sell me the stand they had built on my property. So <laughs> that didn't go over too well, and, and they ended up taking it down. But, okay, okay. Uh, you know, wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. You and I have uh, some similarity as far as our early starts in construction. Your dad was a mason, and so you spent some summers as a young man doing some block tending and, and uh, helping your dad out on job sites. How old were you when you started doing that? Do you remember? I'd been going to job sites since I've, I feel like six, seven years old, whether it was just hanging out watching and to, and then once I got later in life, was able to start working. Yeah, that's rough work, man. And so did, at, at some point in time, you were a legit block tender. Out of, is that right? Yep, yep. Yeah. I was a mason tender. So I was, uh, you know, tending for all the guys uh, with the brick and the block. And, and eventually it moved, like I said, to kind of transitioned over to cultured stone. Um, and eventually I kind of taught myself how to lay a little bit. So I was able to jump in there if somebody didn't show up and I could lay, yeah. lay brick, block, or stone. Nice, nice. So you did that uh, during summers through high school? Yep, summers through high school and then also uh, through college to just help pay my way um, through school. So I, uh, I would drive back. 
um, from Mankato to Bloomington to a couple days a week to work um, yeah. to get that spending money and pay yeah. my bills. Was this your dad's company or a yeah. company your dad worked for? Yep. Nope. This was my dad's company. So this entrepreneur spirit is kind of in your DNA. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. <laughs> and you grew up in Bloomington, Minnesota, is that right? That is correct. How was high school life? Did you play any sports or any extracurricular activities? Yeah. Um, I actually went to a private high school in Richfield, Holy Angels. Oh, um, shout out to Holy Angels. My yeah. son went there. Okay. Yes. Very yeah. familiar. Yep. So a bunch of guys in my neighborhood, we ended up going in there. I, I played hockey for a few years. I also played on the football team. Um and then just like I mentioned, was always an avid outdoorsman. So was always, you know, hunting or fishing and, and doing anything I could do to get outside. Yeah. What'd you like better, football or hockey? Uh, hockey. I've played hockey my whole life. Yeah. Um, so now I'm teaching it to my, my two little kids. Yeah. Mm. And how old are they? I have a uh, three and a half year old and a, and a five and a half year old. Okay. I got, I got two boys that are eight and nine and... This is their last year of mites. I think that's their fourth year of hockey. And, uh, you know, I didn't really care what their passion was as long as they found something that they enjoyed doing. And so we tried, like, soccer and this parkour ninja stuff. They did a year of wrestling. And then they tried hockey. And, you know, deep down in the back of my mind, I was thinking, oh, man, I hope they don't really like hockey because... <laughs> don't latch on to this one. <laughs> It's quite a commitment, uh, but sure enough, it's uh, it's what they like to do, and it's fun to watch now. It's really cool to watch them uh, progress uh, their skill level. Each year that they do it is just a leap and a bound above the previous years, you know? Yeah. Are you seeing that with your kids yet? Uh, well, last year was the first year due to COVID, I decided to make a hockey rink in my backyard, like nice. many yeah. other Minnesotans, yeah. and... Uh, Got both kids a pair of skates and some sticks, and we went out there. And yeah, by the end of the season, they were falling over and being able to get back up and <laughs> put, push that chair from one end to the other. Yeah, nice. cool. You live in Plymouth now? I live in Plymouth, correct. Yep. All right. So, you know, you're, you're approaching your senior year in high school and was getting into the construction world kind of uh, always been a goal of yours? Did you know that at a young age that this is this is something for me, you know, modeling yourself after your dad maybe? You know, at first I, I did think that was something I wanted. Actually, when I first started college, uh, I had started taking some law enforcement classes and then had kind of decided maybe that wasn't the right fit for me and that I was more suited for the construction industry. So then I had kind of mid midway through my first year made that switch and then kind of restarted taking construction courses mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and move in that direction. With the end goal always being uh, a business owner, do you think? Yeah, yeah. I've always had the dream of, uh, you know, running and operating my own business um, and being a leader. And so, yeah, I was that was always a goal of mine to become. Yes. Good, good. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump forward and come back. But uh, this this goal of yours, becoming a business owner, an entrepreneur, you decided to take that leap in 2008. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Crickets. Well, dude, what are you thinking? Well, and, uh, <laughs> my partner Leroy and I, uh, yes, it was probably a very scary time yeah. to kind of venture off and, and, and take a leap of faith. But we had some good connections and we're able to 
win some projects in the federal market where the actually was one of the only markets that was, you know, producing some work and we were able to just kind of squeeze by and, and, and once we knew we made it through that, we knew, you know, we could do anything, do anything. Yeah. What were those early days like though? I mean, when you first started? Uh, it was, uh, (laughs) well, it was the fax machines were still being used. Um, (laughs) uh, but it was, you know, it was it was scary. You know, one day you could be talking to somebody and their email would work, and the next day it it could be, hey, they're they're no longer employed here, or they don't have a job, or right. uh, these people are closing their doors, and so it was kind of even. I had gotten calls from other colleagues or friends in the industry talking about how they had to take salary cuts and pay cuts, and you know, it was. I was wondering how I was gonna. I had just gotten a new house, and I was wondering how I was gonna, you know, make sure I'm making my mortgage payments. Scary. Yep, absolutely. A quick message from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by Minnesota Risk Partners, specializing in risk management and insurance services for Minnesota-based companies. Check them out at minnesotariskpartners.com. So federal work—that's a whole nother, I don't animal to try to tackle, isn't it? I mean. You compare federal to, I don't know, what is it, uh, private or is that what yeah, you, yeah, the other? Yeah, yeah. Pri- and private or public. Is, is it much more difficult? You know, you're dealing, actually, you're dealing with prevailing wages and this whole David Bacon Act and bidding different in, in a different way, I, I, from what I understand. Was it difficult to learn or wasn't it all that much different than what you were accustomed to? I would say it's definitely a different, you know, arena to be playing in. It's definitely paperwork heavy and there's definitely different rules and regulations that you need to follow. And I, I so I'd say, yes, it is different, but we kind of just worked through it. And, I, you know, once we were able to get our processes down and work through all the different situations, it kind of became easy to us or it just, you know, as some people might shy away and not want to get involved in that we kind of just took it head on and, and wanted to learn it and understand it so we could just get mm. it right from the start. Do you still do a lot of federal work today? Yeah, yeah. Is it primary? Uh, you know, one thing over the years we've been working on just diversifying and having many different eggs in many different baskets. Um, mm. And so, yeah, I'd say we're still heavy on the federal side, but we've also branched off to other industries um, or markets that are we've, we've found success in. Gotcha. And you mentioned the, like even like office remodels and finish out. You, you'll do that type of work too. Yeah, we'll do yeah. anything from uh, you know, if you want to remodel a conference room to yeah. you know, build a ground up twenty five million dollar building. Gotcha. All right. So let's go back to college. You graduate, about to graduate college. Did you have a job lined up at that point in time? Were you thinking, well, I'm just going to open my own business right out of the gate? What were you thinking? I did not have a job uh, lined up right away. It was kind of slim pickings out of there. Um, Then I was able to line up an an internship at Engelsma Construction and got my start there and got my feet wet and I learned a lot there. And it was still in kind of 06 before things had really started to turn. Yeah, things were really booming in 06 still. Yeah. So yeah, things were good. Uh, lots of projects, lots of variety of projects. And then... And what were you doing over there? Assistant project manager. Okay, so gotcha. Being an assistant, learning my way through the, the industry, you know, hadn't really had a whole lot of commercial construction experience. So was able to get out on job sites and work my way uh, kind of from being a greenhorn to 
you know, yeah. try to get some experience. And uh, were they also doing any kind of federal work? Or, and then were they a, a general contractor? Yeah, they were a general contractor, but mainly I'd say a more of the 100% private kind of negotiated type of work. Okay. Okay. So you stayed there until, what did you say, 2006? Uh, in 07, kind of right when things started to crash, a bunch of people, had, they were kind of, didn't have any work lined up. And, you know, I basically everyone was who didn't have something going on kind of was let go. And then I was back out on the market again. Yeah. What a scary time to be looking for a job. And, and so how did you fall into this then? Uh, I've, I've had a little bit of uh, just, I guess, fate and some luck crossing paths with the right people. Happened to link up with the Meyer family as far as uh, when they were looking to grow their business that was gaining some traction. And they took a chance on me and uh, brought me aboard in kind of a rough time. So and I joined and helped them kind of wear multiple hats, one working with the earthwork and utilities divisions, and then also helping on the general contracting side of things. Earthwork and general contractor. And uh, were you more like a project manager position over there then? Yeah, I started as assistant, but quickly um, kind of was promoted to project manager. Yeah. And uh, I think you said uh, you, you guys are trying, you kind of diversified over there, and that's kind of what spun off uh, Versicon. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. We They were just always looking at different opportunities, and, and the owner over there decided, hey, you know, let's, there could be a market here for the SDVOSB, which Versicon is. And what is that? Uh, the service disabled, veteran owned small business. And so he went out and got the certification, and then that's when kind of Versicon was founded. Hmm. Say that again. What 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 what's, what is the acronym and what does that mean? Uh, S D O S V B. We'll get that. <laughs> Service disabled, veteran owned, small business. And what is the significance or importance of that? The significance and importance of that is my partner Leroy was a disabled veteran and part of some federal contracting, they have different, as, as far as with the Department of Veterans Affairs, have different contracts. If you are that a contractor with that certification, you're able to bid and pursue projects on that type of work. So are there projects out there, federal projects out there that only allow those contractors with that certification to bid on that particular work? Correct. Yeah. Oh, so it, uh, it creates, I guess, with that certification and with that type of work, there's less competition, right? Is that kind of... Uh, yeah, 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 you could say that. Um, yeah. You know, at first there was probably, you know, not as many companies that had that certification. But if you were to look at it today, there's, you know, thousands of, of, of firms spread across with the it. United States that hold that certification. So what is some of the specialty work that... Uh, that certification would pull in? Work on VA-type yeah, facilities? It would, be, it would be more only driven towards, uh, you know, Department of Veteran Affairs facilities, correct, or okay. healthcare-type projects is basically mainly the majority of, of what that certification would, would bring mm. in. Is there a similar certification for a, like, woman-owned uh, business? Yep. Yeah. Yep. There's, there's uh, yep, the WBE, the women-owned uh, business, and then there's also the MBE, which would be minority okay. business. And is uh, the significance of getting those certifications very similar to what we discussed with Veteran Affairs? Potentially, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's it, 
there's different projects throughout the state where you would need to receive to have goal meet your goals on each project and get participation from these firms that hold these certifications. Okay. Um, so we would utilize them um, as we need them. Is if you don't meet the goals, you potentially can't complete the contract or would get awarded the contract. Now. You know, I used to I used to be a chiropractor, and I lived in Austin, Texas. And uh, one of my friends down there was trying to explain this business that uh, his friend had. And the way I understood it, and this man, this is like twenty years ago, so I'm going to totally screw this up. But the business was to install those uh, those little I don't know silt screen fences around construction sites, right, for the topsoil runoff to prevent that from occurring or whatever, yep. right. And it was a woman-owned business, and she found a, like a niche within. I want to. I want to say it was like federal projects that she was winning all kinds of deals, installing these little fences and killing it. I mean, is that a thing? Because is, is that possible? Yeah. And yeah. That, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so there's, I guess, some advantages to getting those different certifications. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. There's also tax breaks as well when it comes to certain certifications. I know the women in business one, you definitely get tax breaks along with the minority. I don't know about the veterans, but I would hope <laughs> that they would as well. Yeah, I guess I can't speak to any tax breaks, but yeah, no, I, I'm unsure, I guess, about that. Gotcha. So what's the future looking like? Any big plans for the upcoming future? Any big changes? Are you going to diversify into anything new or just keep doing what you're doing, slow and steady, and build the company? What's your thought here? Yeah, no, we're going we're gonna to obviously keep doing what we're doing. We've, we've put together a, a solid kind of nucleus, a core of employees that um, have been doing good things for us. You know, we're, I'm always a, a strong believer of, you know, slow and steady growth and not not getting too big too fast. Our, our goal isn't to become necessarily a, a big, large business anytime soon. There's different things as you grow that you need to get in place and checks and balances and whatnot. And we find that bigger isn't always better. And so we want to make sure we're still able to produce, you know, a good quality product that we can stand behind and just and be known for good service and good customer service and, and responsive. So but the future does look bright with anything you want to grow. And so we, you know, we're always hiring. It's a it's a very competitive market out there as far as finding people. And so it's really opened our eyes as far as making sure we can differentiate and, you know, sell people and and show people well why Versacon and, and whatnot and 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 live by our values and 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 that type of stuff. So now if you're speaking to a young man in high school who wants to start their own business and they have interest in construction, would you recommend the route you took where you know, find a good college nearby that has a construction management program, graduate, you go work in the field for a period of time, get your feet wet, and then uh, go off on yourself? You think that would be a, a good blueprint for them to follow? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you got to follow your dreams. And if you're motivated and you're hungry enough, I think anything is possible. It starts with just, you know, I felt like the college prepared me with some skills, you know, some reading and writing and blueprint reading skills that you might not have coming up. And then, um, 
you know, you, you go into the industry and get your internship and, and start to get that experience. And as, as long as you're, you know, stay hungry and humble and, and not try to do too much too fast and just ask a lot of questions and always be learning, I think, yeah, absolutely. That would be a successful uh, blueprint. So within that realm, what are some of the things that um, if somebody were to follow your path, were there any things that you, uh, surprises, like that you um, didn't plan for, didn't foresee coming, or that you would recommend somebody, I don't know, either watching out for or planning for that you didn't necessarily expect? I bet, I bet getting laid off in 2007 was kind of unexpected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything right off the top of my head, but... Being able to adapt, I guess I would would say, um, you know, every, you know, being in the construction industry, especially commercial construction, I find every day is different. There's a lot of variety. You're getting thrown. Um, every day is a different challenge or a different problem to solve. And I would just say, keep an open mind and keep positive. You know, there's some days you might go home and upset down and you try to, you know, you bring the job home with you, but you just keep fighting and you'll make it through. It reminds me of that Marine saying, what is it? Uh, adapt, improvise, overcome, or ap- adapt, overcome, improvise. I don't remember how it goes, but... Marines? Yeah, so, You're talking about the Marines? Yeah. Yeah. Semper Fi, that's all I remember. <laughs> adapt, <laughs> overcome, improvise, I believe. Yeah. Well, I probably screwed it up, but uh, you get the general gist. Yeah. So... Uh, the the kind of specialization, and I don't want to try to pigeonhole you into anything, but you're a general contractor, commercial, federal, but you do do private stuff also. You know, it, it, why make it? Why did you make those choices? And not explore um, more of a tradesman, subcontractor, or residential. Or focus primarily on well the private thing you explained earlier because in two thousand eight there was really no private business going on right but how did you f- find your way down that path of being a general versus a tradesman and uh, commercial versus residential yeah um, as far as how we became a general versus uh, trade I feel like we. We wanted to be involved in the, the entire process of the project from kind of conception or estimating through contract award to, to when you get boots on the ground and you're actually building it. We just liked the variety and the types of projects versus kind of like I mentioned, if you're a subcontractor, you know, you could only be doing a certain aspect of the project and then moving on to something else and you might not get to see the end result. And I think it'd be more rewarding in the sense you see the completed project and rather than saying, man, look at all those electrical outlets I put in there. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) You know, instead you can stand back and say, dang, look at that building. Thing is sweet. You know? Yeah. Well, for example, you know, I mentioned I live in Plymouth and we just completed a project for the city of Plymouth, a new kind of, it's called Peony Lane. Mm. It's the Northwest Greenway trailhead building. And it's just, you know, not more than a mile from my house and I could walk there or ride a bike. 
Um, but the, the space will be used for, you know, graduations, retirements, uh, weddings, that type of things that people can rent out. And, you know, it's just rewarding to see, you know, every time I drive by, um, you know, hey, we did that. We had a piece of that. That's something that's going to stand there for years to come that, you know, the community can enjoy. Yeah, that's cool. Well, what would be a good client for you? You know, if somebody's listening and they think they should give a Versacon a call, what's a typical good client? And I know there's not a typical, there's a probably pretty diverse range, right? Yeah, I'd say there isn't a typical. We have a diverse uh, clientele, um, but, you know, somebody, anyone who, you know, needs somebody they can trust, um, somebody that needs somebody who's reliable and mm-hmm. and a straight shooter um, is is what we'd give them. Okay. All right. And uh, now we're going to wrap this up here. Is there anything else you want to, you know, say to the listeners before I bring it home? If not, that's a, we might have covered it all. That's that's a, that's okay. Yeah, I can't think of anything. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> right. Cool. All right. So he, here you go, guys. It's the name again is Versacon, V-E-R-S-A-C-O-N, Versacon, located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm speaking to Chuck Zierhut, and their website is versaconinc.com. Again, that's versaconinc.com. Check them out. Chuck I appreciate your time, man. I give you kudos to you starting this company back in 2008. And if you can do that, you can do anything. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks, listeners. Have a great day. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to Minnesota Made Podcast dot com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.